Pay your taxes in Bitcoin. Why is Chainlink's token not moving as fast as we would like? And a new coin you can trade on Swissquote. That and more in the crypto market talk this week. In this week's episode, we will talk about Bitcoin. There are some interesting happenings regarding the price. We'll also talk about Ethereum, a quick look onto Litecoin, which we haven't looked for quite some time, and then some interesting stuff also happening on Chainlink because there is a small discrepancy between the total value stored and the link price. Then we will also discuss some other coins such as Solana, Avalanche, and also a new coin called Sandbox on Swiss code. Let's jump right in and let's start with Bitcoin, of course. And here a very interesting article saying just as Hal Finney predicted, Bitcoin is being purchased to act as a reserve currency. Now, the crypto and Bitcoin community in general have always thought that Bitcoin could potentially become something like a reserve currency for nation states, for companies and so on. But in this article, it's really diving into how it could really turn into reality without even talking about specific states or institutions. They are talking about the uh, LFG Foundation. Baidu Kwan, who is also the founder of Terraform Labs, which is also another coin that is quite interesting called Terra Luna. And they have a stable coin called UST, so US Terra or Terra USD. Now, the interesting part there is that it's a completely decentralized stable coin and the price is dependent also on how many Luna are in the ecosystem. Now, of course, a lot of people are a bit mistrusting when it comes to stable coins in general because they cannot hold the peg or there could become an issue or they're too centralized. In this case though, what they're going to do, the LFG foundation is going to buy Bitcoin as a reserve to hold kind of as a backing for the UST price. And this is exactly what Hal Finney technically predicted a couple of years ago. Now Hal Finney, for those of you who don't know, is actually one of the first creators or kind of participants in the Bitcoin network and he was even the first person to ever receive a Bitcoin transaction. Unfortunately, he passed from ALS in 2014, but he was for many people in the crypto community and in the Bitcoin community, one of the most forward thinking people in this industry. Now, again, Hal Finney was also thinking and discussing this idea of how exactly Bitcoin could become a potential reserve currency, what kind of uh, barriers they would have to cross in order for this to become a reality. Now, fast forward a couple of years and we're at a stage where this could actually become reality. Now, another very interesting thing here is essentially the Bitcoin price. Now, we will jump into the chart in a couple of minutes. But interestingly, here we have the CEO and fund manager of Bitbull Capital saying that Bitcoin has had a strong week, especially given the quarterly options expiry on Friday, which was last week, and noted that Bitcoin had shown resilience following the Federal Reserve's decision last week to raise interest rates and the continued escalation of Russia's invasion of Ukraine with its economic fallout. Now, 
Again, very, very bullish news in general when it comes to the Bitcoin price. It has held up really, really nicely. We will talk about other interesting stuff happening in the Bitcoin network as well. But I think the part of the quarterly options expiry on Friday was a very important part. It gave the industry a bit more trust, gave the market a bit more trust that Bitcoin can actually go through these volatile times and still remain fairly stable and even with potential to the towards the upside now before we jump into the um, chart in general here an interesting one from npr kind of discussing this whole idea of what el salvador is trying with bitcoin in the country itself there's a renaming of a specific beach i think it's the el zonte beach uh, which is now called the bitcoin beach for example and last week of course we talked about the bitcoin bond or the volcano bond uh, with the kind of effort to raise around 1 billion us dollars for the country and kind of to build build out this idea of the Bitcoin city and volcano city. Now, I think one of the kind of more interesting parts here is as well, the people in El Salvador actually have a lot of trust in the president, in Nayib Bukele, and they are liking what the president is doing. Of course, they, it, it's giving them also a bit of uh, uh, limelight with a, a very outspoken president and also kind of a president that is interested in kind of bringing the country further, bringing more innovation into the country. And here, for example, there's a statement from a young person Person, um, who actually changed her Bitcoin into cash to take her mom out for dinner. And she's saying that she likes a lot of what the president does, especially building roads and bridges, um, a marketing student in her 20s, but laughing nervously when she says, it's worrying that we don't know what's in store for our country's economic future. And that's an interesting one, because on one side, of course, we have this whole kind of innovation machine with Bitcoin going on, and Nahi Bukele really pushing this message that El Salvador wants to become the Bitcoin country kind of in uh, the middle America or even South America as a total. But it's still unclear of whether this gamble will actually play out. And let's be honest, at this stage, it's still a bit of a gamble. So it will become really interesting to kind of observe as of um, how this whole thing could play out. Now, speaking about South America, we also have to talk about Rio de Janeiro because they will accept Bitcoin for real estate taxes from 2023. Now, the mayor, Eduardo Paez, has had kind of a handshake deal with the Binance CEO, Jiangping Zhao, and they even discussed kind of opening up an office in the Brazilian city. And an interesting part is, of course, that there was this picture kind of from a while ago, and then they even said that nine days ago, I made a handshake deal with mayor, uh, with the mayor, Eduardo Paez, and Rio de Janeiro will accept crypto for tax payments and Binance will open an office in Rio. He has done his part, we are working on ours. So on one side, you have a, quite an interesting dynamic here. Binance, of course, wants to expand into many different countries and cities around the world. But at the same time, you have these different countries who are also profiting from this type of media attention, from this type of potential innovation, bringing kind of, uh, be it, for example, crypto payments or Bitcoin payments for taxes to uh, the country and this different cities. Now, now, how this will work in practice is actually quite easy. They have the infrastructure set in place 
that will immediately change from, for example, Bitcoin to real, and then essentially will pay uh, the state, for example, in the local currency. So it won't stay in Bitcoin. But again, this is kind of the headline. So accepting Bitcoin as kind of tax payments, of course, doesn't mean that they will hold Bitcoin in their reserve. Another interesting part happening here is as well kind of the general GPU market. Now, this is something I've talked about a couple of weeks ago. And of course, before jumping into Ethereum and before jumping also into the kind of Bitcoin chart in general, some interesting stuff happening here in the general stock market. So year to date, we actually have two companies here, uh, Gigabyte and MSI, for example, which are actually down 16%. Now, of course, you could make the argument that general, the stock market has had kind of a weak start comparably but if you look at aces for example it remained flat now one of the reasons why this could potentially become kind of an issue is of course a lot of people are buying these gpus for proof of work mining now with ethereum and we will talk about ethereum in a couple of seconds kind of planning to move to proof of stake this demand could become a bit lower. So the big question is, will people, for example, still use GPUs to mine Bitcoin? And could even a proof of stake discussion within the Bitcoin community arise? And that, of course, would mean kind of negative news for the graphic cards market in general. But I would say let's jump into kind of the chart and very, very interesting. I've mentioned the last couple of weeks that this range of the Fibonacci range, as well as this kind of bottom of around 32.9K, was quite interesting as a range. Now, what we've experienced here right now in the last week is that we had a clean cut through this kind of upper uh, boundary of 44.2, and now the interesting part will be what is happening next. Of course, on one side, I would expect this kind of to uh, come back, kind of touch the 44.2 one more time and then actually go, go up. But a lot of people are saying that the bullish news in general are kind of piling up and up. But if you look at the kind of chart setup here, we're on the daily chart and we've had kind of a lot of green candles um, after each other. So I would expect kind of a small correction. So it would actually make sense that this theory could work out. Now, of course, we've had some kind of similar developments here around July 21. Again, kind of a sharp increase in price, then a small correction, and then we move again towards the upside. So I would expect kind of from this uprise that we would touch the 44.2 one more time before actually going for higher highs. Now, what about Ethereum? I've mentioned Ethereum a little bit, and here are some interesting developments from Ethereum, and especially from one of Africa's interesting countries uh, called Zambia. Now, in Zambia, there is this whole discussion that Zambia wants to become kind of Africa's tech hub. One of the kind of uh, situations there is that they are, of course, very big in the copper mining business and they want to kind of obviously steer away from that or actually have kind of a, let's say, a diversification method. Now, Ethereum or general cryptocurrencies could actually become quite interesting because on one side, you have this open network that is being supported by a lot of kind of um, interesting people building interesting stuff such as DeFi and NFTs. But on the other side, you also have a lot of money in this space, trying to look for the next hub, trying to look for kind of interesting uh, investments. One of these people of one of these people is, of course, Vitalik Buterin, who uh, kind of wants to 
be, uh, build this kind of open uh, ecosystem of different countries, different continents working with each other and kind of developing the network as well. So Vitalik was actually quite uh, bullish and, and generally really impressed. He said, I was impressed by everyone I met, um, kind of their, their willingness to go and do big things. So it looks like Zambia could actually become kind of a small, uh, not just tech hub, but especially also an Ethereum hub. Now, whether kind of other um, companies from other African uh, countries, such as Nigeria, for example, who, which, which has also a big um, a tech scene, will move to Zambia to kind of build their hub there, this still remains to be seen. But I think still quite interesting as a development. Of course, also with the whole discussion of Cardano moving to Africa and also building a lot of kind of education centers and um, helping people to build on top of Cardano could actually be quite an interesting kind of setup between Cardano and Ethereum. Now, another quite interesting interview here, we have the Abra CEO. Now, Abra is kind of a centralized finance company in Silicon Valley. And the CEO is in an interview with Yahoo Finance saying that there is tremendous uh, institutional interest, as you can see here from his statement, because of this kind of merger. And this merger is, is one of the biggest network upgrades in Ethereum's history, kind of the idea of moving from proof of work to proof of stake. Now, again, I've talked about about this idea of a kind of um, the, the stock prices of these different graphic cards. Now, the interesting part, if we look kind of a bit more back, is that the graphic cards producers have actually had quite a positive um, kind of one and a half years, let's say, in the um, since since 2020. So since the pandemic started, for example, Gigabit is up over 150%, while Asus is up 60% and MSI up 52%. Now, again, this could become kind of a bit of an issue here because these graphic cards producers are banking on people buying more graphic cards, not just for gaming, but also for mining. And this is exactly the point here, because on one side, you have this tremendous institutional interest for Ethereum. Some people are saying Ethereum could potentially move to 10K even with this merge. And others are saying this could actually become a problem because the safety and security of the network is potentially potentially at danger. Now, moving on, uh, quite an interesting article here as well, kind of from more a technical perspective. An interesting part and theory here is that the merge in Ethereum could have very similar effects as the Bitcoin halvening we've discussed the last couple of months and years on Swisscode here as well. I even, I think, wrote an article um, that I can link up as well. So interestingly, usually after a Bitcoin halvening is happening, within the next nine to 12 months you always see this crazy run up in price now the question is could this merge become something very similar and that in turn would mean if we merge around summer this year let's say that after i want to say 6 to 12 months the price of ethereum could actually rise up even further in my opinion though it will happen much much earlier because people would expect a price increase so i do think people are gearing up for this price increase again kind of a buy the rumor sell the news event depending on your investment thesis now, looking at the Ethereum price, again, this range actually held up much nicer. So the range of 1,800 to 3.3K is still very much in play. It even touched exactly the area I've drawn here. 
and we are currently a bit lower than the area. So this could in turn mean that we touch the area, we go down and then we break cleanly one more time until we kind of move further to the four thousands and the four and a half thousands. For me, this is still a very bullish trade considering that NFTs, DeFi and all of these industries are being built on Ethereum while still kind of this merge stuff is still going on. I do think this is a an underrated trade for many people and I do think we should have our eyes on this potential trade. Moving on, Litecoin, a coin that we don't talk a lot and an interesting part here is that it has rallied almost 30% and that is thanks to the Japanese Virtual and Crypto Assets Exchange Association. This JVCEA essentially has released a so-called green list of around 18 cryptocurrencies that will be exempted from, from being screened every time an exchange lists them. And that is quite interesting because usually when you see a new cryptocurrency exchange or new kind of crypto service provider, you usually see the usual suspects. You see Bitcoin, you see Ethereum, you see Litecoin, you see XRP and so on. So I usually do think that this kind of um, listing of the different cryptocurrencies here actually shows you that Litecoin, for example, is still a household name. Now, when you look at the chart, for example, here, and by the way, in these 18 cryptocurrencies, of course, Litecoin is added. That's why it has rallied. And if you look at the chart, it wasn't that much of an interesting trade for a couple of months. So we've had kind of the last high of around 280, 290 US dollar in November. But since then, it wasn't really that interesting. And here, what has happened since kind of the uh, 10th of March, we've seen a very steady uprise here with Litecoin again. Now, Litecoin was long thought to be kind of the silver to Bitcoin's gold. In my opinion, right now, it doesn't have kind of a very clear differentiating factor when it comes to Bitcoin. So if you want to take that trade, of course, some interesting zones here would be potentially the 142 or even here uh, the 152 if you want to take a more short term trade now of course if you kind of zoom out a longer term trade i mean the highs were at around 400 us dollars and since then actually what has happened here uh, in may or actually way, way lower, I think in uh, 2018, the actual founder of Litecoin has left uh, the project and is still developing, but still uh, is there, there was still always kind of a bitter taste when he left the project a couple of years ago. So you can see here, it was actually at around 362 when this kind of, um, yeah, when, when he left the, 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 the project because he wanted to differentiate his persona from the project itself. And since then, for me, Litecoin is not that much of an interesting trade. But if you want to take it again, here are potentially the zones. Moving on, we should talk about a very interesting news happening on Chainlink because they want to provide new startups with kind of resources for early stage project. And they're kind of bringing them best practices, uh, webinars, events, community groups, but also kind of access more benefits such as mentors and venture capitalists. Now, of course, Chainlink is one of the best linked, no pun intended, projects in the industry. And at the same time, them kind of supporting early stage projects means essentially that new projects that are kind of growing up will potentially also build 
on top of Chainlink and that in turn will increase its network effect. That in turn will make Chainlink as a network much more valuable. So it, I do think it makes absolute sense that Chainlink is uh, kind of creating this um, program called Startup with Chainlink to help founders on one side to kind of uh, become more sustainable more long-term players in the ecosystem because that in turn again will help Chainlink as well. Now talking about kind of an interesting project, Lemonade is a company that is working with Avalanche and we'll talk about Avalanche in a couple of seconds and Chainlink kind of to provide weather insurance for farmers. Quite an interesting project because they even created a so-called DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization called the Lemonade Crypto Climate coalition and here the interesting part is that they will provide farmers with a potential insurance product and that is quite interesting because of course with Chainlink you have the data coming from outside you can provide this in some kind of way and then you have of course Avalanche kind of supporting the infrastructure and bring the infrastructure to give this um, with, with smart contracts and so on to actually build on top of it. Could become very very interesting when you think about potential new insurance models for the future. One thing though that bothers me as well is this whole idea that the total value secured, so the TBS value on Chainlink is still kind of in a discrepancy with the Chainlink price. So Link's market cap, and it says here, there may be kind of reflected by several issues. And it says here that the Coinbase head of institutional research is saying market saturation may limit the platform's future growth, prospects, potential dilution of links circulating supplies uncertain, and imbalances pertaining to uh, decentralized app demand, node operator fees, and operating costs contribute to selling pressure. And this is exactly what we're seeing. So Kind of here it says the market cap of Link, the Oracle's utility token, however, is up only about 30% to 6.1 billion during the same period where the TVS has actually increased by 800%. This, of course, I mean, we, we have to look at the chart here. And essentially what we see here is, again, kind of a decline in general for the price. Of course, we've had this kind of uh, price leg up here as well. But Chainlink has never really properly recovered to these May 21 levels. A lot of the coins in November 21, for example, has have reached all-time highs, even Bitcoin and so on. Chainlink, however, was kind of down only since May 21. And this is exactly why this article is, is kind of questioning the TVS versus Link decoupling. Now, there are thoughts that Chainlink will potentially release this Chainlink 2.0 uh, platform and infrastructure, and that could potentially solve some of these issues that the research analyst has identified, in my opinion, still kind of a bit unclear. Now, but let me get this is clear it's very important to note that Chainlink still has the best partnerships in the industry so that could potentially mean that Chainlink for example is in a very interesting position to really capitalize on its network effects. We've talked about Avalanche and some interesting stuff happening in the Avalanche ecosystem as well. 
because there was a very, very big crypto event in Barcelona for the Avalanche ecosystem. A lot of people came, a lot of kind of delayed events, but also a lot of official events that announced many, many interesting things. Of course, the Avalanche price has increased a little bit as well, but I do think the most interesting part here is this idea of potential subnets. Now, subnets are kind of independent blockchains within the Avalanche um, network and they even the avalanche foundation even announced that they will kind of create this 290 million us dollar development fund specifically for scaling the technology and it will be used to incentivize developer activity including subnet work now these subnets currently are a marketing headline let's be real it is currently a marketing headline and i do think this could be a kind of an interesting feature of avalanche going forward because they need to kind of differentiate themselves in some kind of way a lot of people are saying what if you could use the bitcoin the native bitcoin currency on a subnet of avalanche with fast transaction fees and very kind of uh, uh, fast transaction speeds and i do think that this could become a very interesting kind of differentiating factor but right Right now, again, it's still a marketing play. Interesting here talking about Bitcoin as well is that they will be a new core wallet for Avalanche as well as a native Bitcoin support. Now, as you know, in the multi-chain future, one of the most important features is actually a bridge between one blockchain to the other blockchain. And Avalanche is actually quite kind of successful in providing this in some kind of way. And what they have announced in Barcelona last week was also this native Bitcoin support. Now, I do think they, they will kind of introduce a lot more people into the Avalanche ecosystem, especially if you're more, let's say, from an academic um, background, you're more inclined to use something like Avalanche because Avalanche has very deep roots in the academic space. So this native Bitcoin support, in my opinion, very bullish for the Avalanche DeFi ecosystem, which again is kind of small compared to Ethereum's DeFi ecosystem, but steadily growing. And with these kind of incentive incentives for uh, the developers and the platforms, I do think Avalanche will become much, much bigger now looking at the chart here i've drawn the fibonacci sequence here quite interestingly we have an interesting zone of a one of around 118 us dollars here of course the bottom of around kind of 71 us dollars here and here 51 for me a very interesting zone would be the 95 us dollars kind of going through this 95 us dollars would show me some bullish indication so if if we look at here we can see a very clear kind of resistance line or actually resistance turn support in some kind of way that this could be the very most important line for avalanche going forward if we cannot make this clean cut i don't think we can kind of um, move towards the 118 US dollar lines so for me this currently is the most important part and this bottom of around 71 is still actually very much in play now let's talk about the new coin yes we have a new coin on the block you can see it here the sandbox the decentralized gaming platform one of the most hyped metaverse kind of plays and platforms currently and i do think some very interesting stuff is happening there as well so it's important that we look at the news as well as the chart here for sandbox 
We can see here quite interestingly, HSBC announced this morning a new partnership with the Metaverse platform, which included the purchase of a virtual land plot of land, the sandbox tokenized equivalent of digital real estate. So in sandbox, in the ecosystem, you actually have two tokens. You have the sand token and you have the land token. The land token is actually like the real estate token and the sand token is the token you kind of are using to interact with the platform. And they will reportedly put this plot to work building various esports and gaming activities for enthusiasts. And they're saying, of course, on one side, we are doing this to get into the metaverse, but on the other side, of course, also kind of to strengthen the partnership. This is actually not the only news. We also have here uh, Paris Hilton as well, kind of has announced a partnership with uh, Sandbox. Quite interesting here as well. So the Sandbox is in, I would say, in the metaverse or in the Web3 platform, one of the best connected platforms and actually in a pole position, in my opinion, to actually take this metaverse a topic by storm. Another very interesting partnership here is a kind of a K-pop partnership, of course, much, much more important in Korea. And here we can see there are 200 quests in which players can complete to earn a chance of getting an Alpha Pass NFT, which will reward the owners up to a thousand cent worth roughly 3000 at current prices. Quite interesting, again, uh, this whole idea that depending on where you are geographically, Sandbox has kind of different uh, partnerships here. For example, Sandbox announced a partnership with Cube Entertainment to develop tokenized assets for the game featuring aspects of Korean culture such as K-pop. And I do think that this could become really kind of this, this uh, future of the metaverse where you have this very localized and regional uh, topics and events and stuff happening. And if if you want to really dive into that culture, you can actually jump into it uh, right away. But if you're not kind of uh, interested in that at all, you can still stay within your regional area. So very, very localized, but at the same time decentralized, if you will. Looking at the chart, quite an interesting one here as well. For me, the interesting zones of around four US dollars and four uh, forty-five here, and for me, kind of this is actually a make-or-break zone, believe it or not. So for me, this three fifty line and this range in total is for me quite an, imp an, an important zone that I do think has to break cleanly towards the four US dollar line before actually getting to higher highs. Right now, it doesn't look too good to be honest, but at the same time, again, the partnerships are increasing. The, the amount of, the, of users of the platform is also increasing. So they just hit 2 million users a couple of days ago. So I do think that in turn is quite bullish. Let's talk about Solana and some bad news happening on the Solana platform. A Solana stablecoin project called Cash.io or Cashio has been actually hacked and uh, the stablecoin has gone from one US dollar to 0.00005 US dollar in a so-called infinite mint glitch. Essentially, that enabled the attackers to mint tokens without providing collateral and that of course will kind of uh, reduce the trust almost immediately and that in turn will destroy the token. Now this of course doesn't have to do kind of anything with the Solana infrastructure but I do think it's important to note because generally when you see stuff like this happening people lose trust in the general network as well because they associate it with these hacks it could become a problem in the future. 
But it's not just that. We also see some positive news on the Solana blockchain in general. We can see here kind of um, a partnership with Solana Labs with uh, the game PUBG to develop blockchain games on the network. And another kind of gaming startup, Block Tackle, kind of uh, that it is developing a Solana NFT skateboarding game. Coinbase recently added Solana token uh, to, to kind of support its wallet, browser wallet extension as well as the Giving Block, a crypto philanthropy platform also announced today that it added support for the Solana blockchain. So you can see a lot of positive developments in Solana or in the Solana ecosystem as a whole. And we can even look at the traditional finance world, the TradFi world, as we call it. And it can see here that FTX trading, for example, CoinShares, they're partnering on a Solana ETP offering that offers even staking rewards. This could be quite an interesting way of getting kind of the more indirect way of trading Solana, the token. Interestingly here, kind of the, the more bottom areas that I've uh, drawn, the 40 US dollar, I would say is not in play anymore. Again here, this, this one we can remove to clean up the chart a little bit more. Interesting zone here, for example, we have kind of from far away, we can see this was quite an important zone to break. Solana has done a kind of a clean cut break and very similar as to the first chart we talked about, the Bitcoin chart here, kind of the going up, then touching the uh, support or the resistance turned support, and then we can actually go towards the upside. For me, kind of the upside uh, area here is the 123 US dollar line. Until then, for me, I want to see a bit more improvement on the Solana infrastructure as a whole. That was it from the crypto market talk. Make sure that you subscribe to this channel to not miss any other crypto news. I will see you on the next one. Take care. 